Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Mark Eatonson. I'm a specialist in the treatment of pathological narcissism and related issues, and also author of the book Unmasking Narcissism, A Guide to Understanding the Narcissist in Your Life. The book is a hands-on guide to understanding the psychology of narcissism from a compassionate perspective, and it's available at major book retailers. So today I'd like to discuss resiliency. You know, normally when we talk about mental illness, and particularly personality disorders like NPD, we focus exclusively on what's going wrong. We talk about deficits, you know, what's missing in the person's psychology. And we talk about pathologies. In other words, what's present, but disordered or maladaptive. We rarely focus on the positives. We seldom discuss personality disorders in terms of resiliency. And I think that does a disservice to individuals who struggle with these issues, because each individual psychology is actually a story of resiliency. And I think it's important to talk about those resiliencies, to understand and appreciate how the person made the best of a bad situation, how they learned through trial and error to take care of themselves and make up for what was missing in their early care environment, how they developed defenses to survive abuse, how they grew and persisted despite adversity or neglect. Maladaptive traits in a personality are often the individual's best attempt to adapt and to overcome, to survive emotionally and psychologically. And this is one of the things that I find so compelling about human psychology and really about living things in general. To quote the character of Ian Malcolm from the movie Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Now, when I was applying to graduate school, A quote by the American psychologist Carl Rogers was very helpful to me in defining my perspective on human psychology. I'm going to read it in its entirety here because I think he says it much better than I ever could. Whether we're speaking of a flower or an oak tree, of an earthworm or a beautiful bird, of an ape or a person, we will do well, I believe, to recognize that life is an active process, not a passive one. Whether the stimulus arises from within or without, whether the environment is favorable or unfavorable, the behaviors of an organism can be counted on to be in the direction of maintaining, enhancing, and reproducing itself. This is the very nature of the process we call life. This tendency is operative at all times. Indeed, only the presence or absence of this total directional process enables us to tell whether a given organism is alive or dead. The actualizing tendency can, of course, be thwarted or warped, but it cannot be destroyed without destroying the organism. I remember that in my boyhood, the bin in which we stored our winter supply of potatoes was in the basement, several feet below a small window. The conditions were unfavorable, but the potatoes would begin to sprout, pale white sprouts, so unlike the healthy green shoots they send up when planted in the soil in the spring. But these sad, Spindly sprouts would grow two or three feet in length as they reached toward the distant light of the window. The sprouts were, in their bizarre, futile growth, a sort of desperate expression of the directional tendency I have been describing. They would never become plants, never mature, never fulfill their real potential, but under the most adverse circumstances they were striving to become. Life would not give up, even if it could not flourish. In dealing with clients whose lives have been terribly warped, in working with men and women on the back wards of state hospitals, I often think of those potato sprouts. So unfavorable 
have been the conditions in which these people have developed, that their lives often seem abnormal, twisted, scarcely human. Yet the directional tendency in them can be trusted. The clue to understanding their behavior is that they are striving, in the only ways that they perceive as available to them, to move toward growth, toward becoming. To healthy persons, the result may seem bizarre and futile, but they are life's desperate attempt to become itself. End quote. So just let that sink in for a moment. The clue to understanding their behavior is that they are striving in the only ways that they perceive as available to them to move toward growth. Now, to my mind, this is the single most valuable concept in all of psychology. And when viewed through this lens, no behavior, however maladaptive it may seem on the surface, is completely outside the reach of compassion, empathy, and understanding. I'm not saying that we need to condone or accept behaviors that are harmful or hurtful toward other people, but at their base, all behaviors, no matter how messed up they may appear to healthy individuals, are actually an attempt to survive. So how does all of this apply to narcissism and to NPD? Well, I've often said that NPD is a disorder caused by deficits in the self and the presence of maladaptive strategies that are used to compensate for those deficits. Where there are gaps in the structure of the self, the individual learns to compensate by filling in those gaps with whatever they can use. Imagine going on a backpacking trip and discovering after a long day's hike into the wilderness that you forgot to pack a tent and it's starting to rain. What do you do? There's a deficit. You don't have a tent. So you improvise. You start to gather whatever's available. Sticks, leaves, rocks. You repurpose what's already in your pack. Clothes, string, shoelaces. You make do. Is it pretty? Probably not. But it might just make the difference between dying of exposure on a mountaintop and living to see the sunrise the next morning. People with narcissistic vulnerabilities used whatever they could find to build a shelter from the elements a place inside of themselves where they could live, a self. And in the absence of proper materials to build a self, like consistent empathic mirroring and attunement from caregivers, parental warmth and genuine engagement and connection, positive peer affiliation and inclusion, they made do with sticks, strings, and t-shirts. They found aspects of the environment like big boulders, outcroppings, and caves, things that weren't meant to be a shelter and they repurposed them in order to survive. NPD is the legacy of such makeshift survival tactics. Except what worked well enough to get through the storms of childhood doesn't work well enough to survive and thrive in adult relationships. It doesn't work well enough to weather the complexities of adult life. Healthy grown-ups need to be able to contend with ambiguities. They need to be flexible in understanding of their own limitations and the limitations of others. They need to have a stable foundation in order to build a life. Sticks, leaves, and string won't cut it. Even the best cave is still a cave, and it leaves the person inside exposed to the cold, even if they're able to stay dry. But despite these shortcomings, it's so important to appreciate the strength and resiliency that allowed the individual to survive in the first place. So if you identify as a person who struggles with narcissism or NPD, take a moment to marvel at your own resiliency. Recognize that you are so much more than deficits and pathologies. You're a living, breathing person, and you're here today listening to this because you found a way to survive, 
battered and bruised though you may be. Never forget this indisputable fact. Just as it's important to grieve the parts of the self that maybe never grew or never developed, it's crucial to celebrate your status as a survivor of whatever adversity you faced. And believe me, if you identify as someone with NPD, then you faced adversity. Even if you don't remember it or can't identify what it was, individuals with NPD, like those with other personality disorders, often have something called identity diffusion. That means they have difficulty representing their own experiences to themselves, a process that's also called mentalizing. And people with narcissistic personality styles often also have an avoidant attachment style, which causes them to forget negative experiences or sort of gloss over their childhood. It's not uncommon to hear people with avoidant attachment styles say things like, my childhood was great, but without any detail or the ability to recollect what about it was actually, quote, great. This attachment style is actually protective in nature because it serves to reduce the amount of subjective distress that the person feels, and uh, they learn over time to focus instead on the positive or to dissociate themselves in times of difficulty or distress. And this serves to avoid activating their need for comfort, safety, and security because they grew up in an environment where comfort, safety, and security weren't forthcoming. It's a legacy of early emotional neglect. So whatever your story, congratulations, you survived. Never forget that. Allow that to be the foundation for your future work. Whatever life throws your way, your status as a survivor is already established. As Carl Rogers said, you are striving to become. Okay, so that's it for today. Please leave questions or comments. And until next time, take good care.